listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. Today, I'm going to be um, ranting a little bit, uh, as you saw in the title, which I'll start, good morning, Cass, which I'll start in a minute, because um, just a couple of things that I may have uh, noticed over the last 20 years of being in full-time ministry uh, that'll help you. This is actually going to be a, a faith-building rant, not an, oh my goodness, he's angry rant. And so, <laughs> and so it's going gonna, it's gonna to build your faith. Um, but I wanted to say, <laughs> I wanted to say before that, um, that we've got a brand new magazine that is getting ready to uh, ship very soon for the spring edition. And um, we've, got, uh, we've got some extra additions in this one. It's going to be really good. And if you are not on the list, part of the fam that receives the magazine, uh, I want to encourage you to just go to MiracleWord.com and uh, really at the top of the homepage, they'll see a, a link for that, right, Tiff? Uh, and then also, if you'd like to, you can do MiracleWord.com forward slash live and you can sign up to receive it. It's free. It doesn't cost you anything. By the way, did you know something relatively new? Did you know that our entire library of magazines is in the Miracle Word app? So if you've missed any editions of Miracle Word magazine, you can go back digitally on your iPad or whatever, and you can check out all of the previous Miracle Word magazine editions inside of the app, which also has so many things available to build your faith. All of our television broadcasts, Miracle Word radio, videos, I mean, all kinds of stuff. So if you haven't downloaded the app, go grab it. And it's a great resource to have um, on your phone. Good morning, Lena. Good to see you. So today... I want to show you something that, um, that I've noticed regarding miracles. And I touched on this a little bit um, in, the, in the Signs and Wonders camp meeting. And um, I didn't preach fully on it, but I just kind of touched on it for a minute and moved on. But I want to, I want to deal with it today with you on the broadcast. And um, the, the thought process is this. The thought process is that miracles require movement. And in fact, I want you to put that in the, um, in the chat today. Miracles require movement. I'll explain that in a minute. Miracles require movement. And um, you say, well, what does that mean? That's what I'm going to explain. Uh, miracles, you know, one of the things that's irritating to me, you know, that I've seen over the last I can't even tell you how many years, even before I was in full-time ministry, I was uh, traveling with my father and mother as they evangelized full-time. And so truly I've been uh, in revival services for 40 years now. Uh, my first one took place when I was two weeks old and um, I've just never stopped. It's been constant revival. We're teaching our children um, to be uh, in revival as often as possible. Maddie went with um, Carolyn and uh, Tiffany last night, about, what, three hours round trip or so, 
uh, to go hear Pastor Mark Hankins speak, and uh, it was awesome. But we're teaching our children to be in revival, teaching our children to value the move of the Spirit. But one of the things that I've seen uh, as people are expecting miracles, and this is an irritating thing to watch, especially when people need miracles, and uh, that is that they think that the Lord is just going to somehow um, randomly, when he sees fit, drop a miracle on them. And, um, and that's not how it works. And I'm going to show you um, in, this, in this broadcast today that miracles require movement. Good morning, Natalie. Miracles require movement. You say, well, how does that, how does that work? Well, let me start by saying this. Faith, as we saw, and I, I went over this a bit yesterday, but in the book of James, uh, the Bible tells us, and we can turn there, in the book of James, New Testament, the Bible tells us that faith is an element that requires action. It, it requires action. Well, yes, Gina, I'm going to explain this. Gina's question on YouTube is, can't you get your miracle by the anointing sometimes? Just a question. And so I want to, I want to answer that question, Gina. Um, yeah, th that's it, Bonnie. So she said, I was just talking to my sister in Christ about this like an hour ago. Now I get a whole teaching on it. But, but get this now. It's very, very interesting that when we talk about faith, we can say as a baseline that everything we receive from the Lord, we receive through faith. Now, I've heard some people say, well, there's, there's some uh, stories in the Bible, you know, in the New Testament where um, the, the person didn't have faith in Christ, but they got a miracle. Like, for example, the man who was at Solomon's porch that was waiting to get into the water when the waters were troubled. But one of the things you have to remember is that though he didn't know who Jesus was, and though he, when they asked him, who, who did this miracle? I have no idea. He couldn't have had faith in Christ, but remember something, that doesn't mean he didn't have faith because look where he was positioned. The Bible said he was positioned as near as he could get to the waters so that when the angel troubled the waters, the Bible said the first person to get in the waters would receive their miracle, which, which shows you he already did have faith. He was already, he had faith in what God was doing. And so the only reason he was there waiting and pressing to get there was to get a miracle. So he was already in faith. And so Jesus met him in his faith. But it's really interesting when we, when we look at the, the, uh, the teaching on this, James teaches that uh, without, if you don't have works attached to your faith, then your faith is worthless. It's meaningless. It does nothing. It does nothing. And so let me read that to you. James chapter two, and um, I'll start with verse 18. Actually, let me, let me start with verse 14. What good is it, my brothers? This is James 2, 14, starting in 14. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith, but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking daily food, and one of you says to him, go in peace and be warmed and filled without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also faith by itself, 
if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works and I will show you my faith by my works. See, this is very important. And so faith without works is dead. So what James is teaching is your faith might as well be non-existent if there aren't works attached to it. You see that? Your faith might as well be non-existent if there's not works attached to the faith. And so that's where we're starting today is that these people, you know, people that need miracles and I have compassion for them. I have a hunger to see them touched by God's power, but the mentality, and a lot of times it's not their fault. It's what they've been taught for years and years and years that when God gets good and ready, he'll give you a miracle. When God gets good and ready and he knows your need and he's just waiting for the perfect time, he's letting you just drag through this for a little while longer so that you'll understand, you know, how powerful it is once he brings you out. And so they've had all these different things taught to them that keep them in a place of no works, no faith works. And so they'll say, you know what? I'll just kind of wait. They think that's what waiting on the Lord means. If I can just wait on the Lord, I'm waiting on the Lord. Well, how come you don't? Well, I've been waiting on the Lord, brother. Just waiting on the Lord. Like God missed the bus. But that is not what waiting on the Lord means in that verse of scripture. They that wait upon the Lord. They that wait upon the Lord. Really, it's like they that are bound together with the Lord. Those that are serving the Lord. Think about wait like a waiter at a restaurant. He's not waiting on you to show up. He's waiting on you. He is serving you, you know, and so, and so that's exactly what it's talking about there. Those that serve the Lord, well, it takes faith and action to serve the Lord. And so, um, people get in this mindset that, well, I've just been waiting on God, brother. I've just been waiting on God. No, no. We always attach movement to our faith. Miracles require movement, right? And so what do I mean by that? Well, I'll take you through a few stories in the scripture so you can see. And it, and in some of these things, some of these cases, man, it seemed insane. It seemed insane to attach this kind of movement to faith. It seemed like they were going to look like fools at the end of their movement. But that was just their faith in action because the mind doesn't understand it. But if you're obeying an instruction from Christ, then it'll always bring about the desired result, the end result that you want to see. The first that I'll show you, Gospel of John. In the Gospel of John, chapter 2, this is actually the very first miracle that we see Jesus perform, and it's the first miracle he ever performed. I was in Bible school with a guy one time. This made me laugh. And this guy already had like some other issues, but this guy was telling me in Bible school, he goes, you know, our Bible doesn't really tell us a whole lot about Jesus between like his childhood and his, like when he was like a toddler, then really a child. And then his like full grown man ministry beginning. Bible doesn't tell us a lot about him. I said, yeah, I guess that's kind of true. You know, you see him as a, a baby, then a toddler. You see him uh, maybe one message or, or one passage of him 
you know, around 12 years old, asking questions in the temple. But really then it's just all about his manhood when he performed his ministry. And the guy was like, yeah, uh, you know what I believe? I was like, what do you believe? He was like, you know, Jesus went into Egypt with his family. I was like, yeah. He was like, I believe that when Jesus went into Egypt, you know, he kind of encountered all these different religions as he was growing up. And then he took like all the best parts that he liked about all those religions and formed Christianity. He was like, and I believe that like Jesus was so powerful that like while he was in Egypt and doing all of these, uh, seeing all these different things, that he had all these different miracles he was performing and he was doing, we don't have any record of it, but he was just doing all these supernatural things. I said, there's a problem with your, with your theory. I said, and the problem is that when, when Jesus uh, was at this wedding in the, uh, in Cain of Galilee, uh, the, the 11th verse actually says, this is the first of his signs that Jesus did in Cana uh, in Galilee and manifested his glory. Uh, another, another, my face is so disturbed right now. My, uh, the, the other translation says this beginning of miracles did Jesus. So Jesus started his miracle ministry in Cana at the wedding. There were no miracles in Egypt. There were no miracles. In fact, as we've taught before, Jesus couldn't perform miracles until he got baptized with the Holy Ghost, until he was filled with the Holy Ghost. And so some people are just nuts. Anyway, um, it's important to see that because Jesus didn't even, I don't know if you know this or not, Jesus didn't even want to perform this miracle. You know, and this, and this, this is more of an issue. Um, because when I told that guy that I didn't tell you this part, but when I told that guy that he's like, well, I said, well, the Bible says this was the beginning of miracles that Jesus did. You know what he was like? I don't, yeah, but I don't believe that. (laughs) So you, you have more faith in this theory that you made up about Jesus that you didn't even read anywhere. You just made it up. You have more faith in this uh, in this, in this made up theory than you do in what the Bible actually says. <laughs> That's probably from the apocryphal new Testament, Dennis. He said, when I was in the Catholic church as a kid, they'd teach me that Jesus practiced healing on animals. Growing up. <laughs> Jesus, the dog has an upset stomach. Um, he's like, yeah, but I don't believe that. I was like, it literally says it was his first miracle. Yeah, I don't believe that. So, you know, you've got a problem when you've got people that won't even believe what's written and they believe their theory more than what's written. But again, uh, that's the problem that I'm addressing. It's like you've got people that have been taught things that aren't even in the Bible and it's, it's got them in a standstill trying to believe for their miracle because uh, they've been taught things that aren't even scriptural and, and, or, or taught things out of context. So, like, yeah, I've been waiting on God, been waiting on God. Stop waiting. Stop waiting on him and begin to take action. And so, <laughs> I can't even deal with, with Mike Frost. And so, um, in John chapter 2, check this out. The Bible says, <clears throat> on the third day, there was a wedding at Cana in Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. And Jesus also was invited to the wedding with his disciples. And when the wine ran out, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. And Jesus said to her, woman, what does that have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. Jesus, let me tell you something. Jesus had a lot of faith 
to call his mother woman. <laughs> I can't even imagine calling my mother woman. Woman? <laughs> Jesus said, woman, what does this have to do with me? My hour <laughs> has not yet come. And his mother, notice his mom doesn't even respond to that phrase that he, his time has not yet come. She goes from telling him that to turning to the servants. He said, my time's not yet come. She ignores that, turns to the servants and says, now, what, do whatever he tells you. Do whatever he tells you. And so that right there can also show you how much faith that she had in her son, Jesus. It shows you that before he even performed any miracles, she had faith from all the events that have transpired that he was the son of God. She knew it, she believed it, and she was ready to see it. And she gave them an instruction, do whatever he tells you. Now there were six stone water jars there for the Jewish rites of purification, each holding 20 or 30 gallons. And Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. Now, water is not what they needed. They needed wine, the Bible says. They needed wine. But Jesus said, fill the jars with water. And they filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, now, draw some out and take it to the master of the feast. So they took it. The Bible doesn't say they drew wine out. It says that they drew water out. He said, once it was filled with water to the brim, he said, now draw some of that out. Draw some of that out. Can you imagine how foolish you would feel as the servant, knowing that the master of the feast wants wine, needs wine, and you're drawing out, maybe it was a ladle or whatever, drawing out a cup full of this water and the Bible says, uh, they took it. So they took this going towards the master of the feast, knowing full well he needs wine and I'm carrying water over. But notice this, the miracle was in the move. The miracle was in the move. The miracle was in the move. As they moved toward the master of the feast. But notice, more importantly, as they moved in obedience... This is so important. As they moved in obedience, the miracle took place. This is going to be big for miracles in March. This is going to be big for your year of divine possession. This is going to be big for going where you've never gone, doing what you've never done, uh, having what you've never had. This, is going to, this principle I'm teaching today is going to be big. It's going to be big. In the midst of their active obedience, the miracle began to happen. In the midst of their active obedience, the miracle began to happen. And the Bible says, and they drew it out and they took it to the master of the feast. So they took it. And when the master of the feast tasted the water, now become wine. And did not know where it came from, though the servants who drew it knew. The master of the feast called the bridegroom and said, everyone serves the good wine first. And when people have drunk freely, then the poor wine, but you have kept the good wine till now. Notice it wasn't just a miracle. It was the best thing that was available because when God does something for you, 
it will always be the best thing available. That's how God gets the glory. It is better than a man can do. It's better than a job could do. It's better than a boss or the government could do. But notice where this miracle took place. From the moment of instruction, active obedience, before they got to the end, in the midst of their active obedience, the miracle took place. See, I think the mistake people make is that they're waiting for God to do the thing so that they can step out. Please get this in your spirit. People are waiting on God to do the thing before they step out, right? And so what what ends up happening is they're continually waiting because God wants to see true faith can obey when it looks like nothing is happening. True faith can obey when it looks like nothing is happening. And so don't wait. See, that's not faith. Anybody can step out after God's done the miracle. You know what those servants sitting there and you imagine if they drew it out, even though Jesus had already given the instruction, they drew the water out and sat there and stared at it. What are you doing? I'm just waiting for it to become, I'm waiting for it to become wine so I can take it to the master of the feast. I'm waiting for it to become wine. I'm waiting for it to go from clear to deep purple, deep red. You see the servants still smells like water to me. And that's what they're doing. People, people sit there and wait until the breakthrough hits to step out in faith. It doesn't work like that. You'll be waiting forever. They couldn't sit there and look into the, whatever they had, whatever receptacle they used. They can't sit there and look into it and say, waiting for the water to turn, waiting for the, and once it turns, I'm taking it to the master. That's not what Jesus said. Jesus said, now go take it, draw some out and take it to him. The miracle was in the movement of their obedience. The movement of their obedience. That's how it works. That's how it works. This isn't the only time in the Bible this happened. This is something that happened time and time and time again. I was, the reason I got into it during our signs and wonders camp meeting was because I was talking about how that even though, you know, our, our, our text that we've been on since the fall is Joshua chapter three. You know, we've never been this way before that God's getting ready to do wonders among us. And so they were in the midst of the Jordan river, looking at it. It's in the harvest season. It's overflowing its banks. It's a rushing mighty river. God said, we're supposed to go across, but there's no way to get across. There's no way that we're going to be able to, to pass through that river at its current violent speed. And they've got old people and young people and they've got livestock. How are you going to get across? Well, notice this. They didn't wait until God parted the water to go across. They didn't wait. The Bible says the priests who were bearing the Ark of the Covenant had to obey an instruction from God. What was the instruction? Just start walking. Just start walking walking. And here they go, carrying it on their shoulders, the Ark of the Covenant. Just start walking. And as they walk, the Bible says, as the feet of the priests just touch the very beginning of the riverbank, just the very smallest portion of water at the very edge. See, in their obedience, the Bible says, then the water folded back upon itself 
and ran in a different direction. And the rest of the water ran down to a town called Adam. And they were left with dry ground. But notice the dry ground didn't come first. It was as they walked in obedience. It was as their feet began to touch the riverbed, the very banks, the Bible says, the banks of the Jordan, that in the midst of their movement, in their obedience, the water began to move. The miracle is in the move. The miracle is in the move. That's right, Ashley on YouTube said, true faith obeys when it looks like nothing is happening. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Uh, Vera says that it was the harvest season and it's the season when the Jordan overflowed its banks. It was a swollen, rushing, mighty river. Thing was swollen and they couldn't get across. Couldn't get across. And they had to walk first. Didn't part first, they walked first. And it began to happen. But I touched on something at Signs and Wonders that I want to just break down more fully with you here, the Victory Tribe. I found this interesting. If you go back to Joshua 3, you'll see it. Because as they're going across, this blew my mind. The Bible says as they were going across, Um, I'll start, I'll just read you verse 16. Listen to this. The water, this is in the middle of the miracle. The waters coming down from above stood and rose up in a heap very far away at Adam, the city that is beside Zarethan. And those flowing down toward the sea of the Arabah, the salt sea, were completely cut off. Now watch this part, end of verse 16. And the people passed over opposite Jericho. Come on, man. This this right here will get you stirred up. The people passed over opposite Jericho. Notice something. We're in Joshua 3. Jericho's walls don't fall until Joshua 6. And we're in Joshua 3. So so watch this. I kind of got on this. The Lord had me speak about it a little bit is that God's got them in the middle of one miracle, but also lets them take a look and see what he's going to do in the future. Man, this will get you shouting. Because while God's doing one thing, he'll give you a glimpse of another thing that he's going to do. You're not there yet, but you're headed that direction. And just so you can remember, here I am. I thought I was in the middle of an impossible situation. I thought I was in the middle of something that would never take place in a million years. And here I am going through it successfully with the help and the power of God. And here I am walking on dry ground. But notice, as they're walking in the middle of their miracle, they can glance over and see Jericho's walls. So that, notice, there is a memory being burnt into their spirit. There's a memory being burnt into their spirit because three chapters later, 
when they get to Jericho and they're just commanded to do something that seems like nothing, we want you to just march around the walls. March. March. And look at this. As they're marching, that seems foolish. They're not fighting. They're not, they're not using siege weapons. They're just marching. Looks like nothing. But notice how they were marching. See, this is why you can move on to the next level of your blessing and breakthrough and not have any problem going higher and higher. Because as they're marching, I would bet you that they could still remember the view. As I look down, I'm coming across the Jordan on dry ground. And as I look up, I'm seeing Jericho's walls. I bet that memory is burnt into their spirit so that now as they're marching around Jericho, their thought process is, my God, I remember seeing this place as I was in the middle of a miracle. And it keeps you in that thought process that if God had the ability to part the Jordan for us, and he could do something so supernatural and let us walk across, who knows how many, maybe 2 million, maybe 3 million people walking across, then what kind of a hindrance do walls present to God? If he can take rushing mighty rivers and part them, if he brought us through the Red Sea on dry ground, what can he do to these walls? And they're in the middle of God's move. And as God's getting ready to do something new, it can jog their spirit back to something that he previously did for them, reminding them that the miracle is in the move. Glory to God. The miracle is in the move. And that's what they knew. And that's what they found out. That it takes that active obedience from God to see that move take place. The move of the Holy Ghost. And so, I'll take you to another one that gets me stirred up. One that you know very well. Second Chronicles, chapter 20. I always find this one to be interesting because, uh, I mean... But before I go there, think, think about where they were, Jericho. None of these things seem like they'll do anything. March around the city. Tomorrow, march around the city. Tomorrow, march around the city. Tomorrow, march around the city. And then finally, march around sometimes and shout. It's like, what is that going to do to these walls? What is that going to do? But if God told you to do it, see, if God told you to do it, it's going to produce a miracle. It's going to do something supernatural. Yes, Vera, I will in just a moment. I'm going to give you practical examples for moving by faith. Moving by faith. So I go to 2 Chronicles 20, and the Lord's sh showing me the same principle over again. And that is that even though they looked outnumbered in the natural, looked outnumbered, three armies versus one army, the Lord said, now listen, I'm going to fight your battle for you. Now you'd think, well, that's awesome. That if he's going to fight my battle for me, then I can just chill here in my tent and let the spirit of God go and destroy my enemies. But that is not what God instructed them to do. Even though he planned 
to fight their enemies for them and to destroy their enemies for them. Notice what it said. Tomorrow, I want you to go out against them. Here's a wild thing. I want you to go out against them. But those in the front, I don't even want you to take weapons. I just want you to take instruments. And I want you to praise me and worship me. Sounds insane. That sounds insane. But they move. What do they do? They move anyway. Because they know God will fight our battles for us. Great is the Lord. And greatly to be praised. Yes, he will do it. For the Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. Yes, God will do it. But it doesn't mean that we do nothing. It doesn't mean we do nothing. Remember something. God, we will never go out and work for God without his help. God will never go out and work on our behalf without our how best way to say it would be cooperation without our cooperation because even our faith is a cooperation with God's word and his power and that's what they had to do they had to cooperate with his instructions so the next day they get all ready they get their uh, instruments in their hands and they head out and they head out towards their enemy going directly at their enemy and as they are moving as they are marching, notice this, they're marching. They're not in their tents, chilling out, waiting for God to do it. As they are marching, God goes ahead of them. And God causes their enemies to begin to draw and fight one another. Until every, think about how, I always wondered this. Because it's like, did you ever notice they were all dead? They were all dead. So you always wonder, like, how did the last guy die? Because, <laughs> like, if he's the last man standing, what did he just like? Well, everybody else is dead. I guess I'll fall on my sword. But everybody was dead. The Bible says they got to the lookout point in the wilderness, and there were just corpses all over the ground. And their tents were filled with treasure. The spoils took them three full days, three full days to gather that spoil and to bring it back to their tent, their camp. But notice how God, it was in the middle of their movement of obedience that God began to move on their behalf. The miracle is in the move. Notice this. I'll give you some practical examples from uh, the scripture. Even in the New Testament. You know, did you ever think about when Jesus was ministering to the lepers, 10 lepers, and he says to them, um, go now and show yourself to the priest. Go now and show yourself to the priest. So they still had something they, they had to do, Right? They had to move. They had to move toward the priest. The high priest could pronounce them clean. Look at this. This this will help you to see it. This is in Luke chapter 17. And verse 11 is where I'll start. 
Luke 17, 11. Listen. On the way to Jerusalem, Jesus was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered the, a village, he was met by ten lepers who stood at a distance and lifted up their voices saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said to them, go and show yourself to the priest. There's the instruction that requires what? Movement of faith action. And look at this. They weren't cleansed yet. Oh, please get this. They weren't cleansed yet. So that means they had to start moving. They had to start on their way to go see the priest while they were still leprous. They had to head on towards the high priest while they were still leprous. Look, look now. And the Bible says in, at the end of verse 14, and as they went, they were cleansed. As they went, they had to obey. They had to move first before the miracle took place. As they went, they were cleansed. And look, one man kept moving even further than they moved. And the Bible says, and this man returned to give thanks to Jesus. And the Bible says that he received an extra blessing from Christ. Extra blessing. That's a great thought, Lena. That's a great thought. And, and all scholars agree, even ones that are truly not Pentecostal, that this man who recognized Jesus' power, this man received a, a supplemental blessing that the others didn't get. And he said, go your way. Your faith has done what? Made you whole. Made you whole. And I've taught about that before. But notice it was in the middle of the move. So we get into the New Testament commandments and it's like this. It's like uh, uh, James chapter five. Are there any sick among you? Right? Are there any sick among you? Let them call for the elders of the church. So the, those that are sick have a move to make. Go call for the elders of the church who will lay their hands on you, anoint you with oil, and the prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise them up. So it's not like, you know, well, I'm sick. I guess I'm just going to wait here until God heals me. No, there's an instruction. Call for the elders of the church. As you're moving in that obedience then you see that faith is manifested and the blessing comes to pass. Let them call. The, the, church, the elders of the church shouldn't be calling on you, according to scripture, call on them. I need prayer. Please lay your hands on me, anoint me with oil. You see, and so it's always in the midst of a move. I'll give you an example. Uh, and Vera said, would you please give us some practical life examples of this? Sure. So when I was younger in ministry, and really was not doing any kind of media at all. I mean, like, I, I was relatively just starting out. And some of you may have heard this story before. I was just starting out. I really, other than preaching at revival services, I really was not producing anything else. I didn't do any podcasts. I don't even know. I think there were podcasts back then, but nobody really listened to them. Um, there were no podcasts that I was doing. I wasn't doing any video work. I was not on television. I wasn't on anything. And so I hadn't even written any books yet. And so I was just kind of holding meetings and revivals. And so I get this call. And this call 
from my friend. He said, listen, I have a friend here who runs a local radio station. And he told me that uh, he's looking for some good Pentecostal preaching. And I recommended you to him. And so would you be willing to go on the radio? I said, well, I don't know. I'll pray about it because, you know, I've not been seeking to go on radio. I don't have any plans to do that. I'll, I'll pray about it and get back with you. He said, that's fine. I mean, the same day I get a call from another guy that doesn't even know the first guy. And he's in a completely different part of the United States. And he said, hey, I just wanted to get in touch with you. He said, I've got a connection here with the largest radio station, Christian radio station in New England. And he said, they're looking for Pentecostal preaching to put on. He said, would you go on the radio? Well, now I recognized this was a confirmation. I didn't have to pray about it now. The Lord sends two men to me in the same day that don't even know each other, that are asking the same exact thing. I understood that the Lord was trying to show me something. And so I did the second time I said, yep, I'll do it. I'll do it. Now, think about this. The moment that I said, I will do it, I didn't have, not only did I not have any radio programs to send out to these radio stations, I didn't even have any equipment to record radio programs. Again, I wasn't doing any kind of media like, like we are today. I, I, didn't ha- I didn't have anything. I didn't have any equipment. I didn't have a studio. I, didn't ha- I had none of that. But I said to the man, yes, I will absolutely do it. I knew it was the Lord opening the door. But notice the miracle is in the move. The miracle is in the movement of obedience when God does something. I said, so yes, I'll, I'll do it. And then I called the other guy back and said, I, I'll do it. And so now I've got two radio stations that I'm going on. And um, I was like, man, we're going to have to figure this one out because I, I, have, I, have, I have nothing. And so um, I had another meeting that was right after um, those guys had called me. I had a revival that was set up. I went in and um, I, started, uh, I started preaching. And all I, all I was going to do was just give the testimony. I was just going to give the testimony that the Lord had opened the doors for us to go on the radio. And so I gave the testimony. And um, when I gave the testimony, later that night, I went out to dinner with the pastor and and, and some of the others from the church. And uh, we were sitting there eating. And I get this text on my phone. And I looked down and uh, it's Dr. Rodney Howard Brown. And I don't even know, I felt like, you know, I don't know if he has spies in every location or what. I had no idea how he even found out about this. And he says to me in the, via text, I heard you're going on the radio. And I said, yeah, I am going on the radio. And, he, and Dr. Rodney said to me, how much does it cost for you to go on the radio? And I said, and I told him what it was going to cost for both of the stations, the largest one in New England and the one in in Virginia. And Dr. Rodney said, give me your bank account wire information. I'm going to send over the first two months of your bills paid in full. 
And so I'm sitting there at the restaurant. I don't, again, remember this, again, I don't even have programs made. I don't even have equipment to make programs. <laughs> but I've said I'm going on the stations. And, and, and in one moment, two months of bills are paid for. And I've not even started yet. Well, I get back to the service the next night. And I'm, I'm preaching again. I said, man, wasn't that a great testimony? And at the end of the service, a lady comes forward and she's kind of crying. And she's there, stands there with my, my wife and I. And she said, I heard you're doing that thing on the radio. She said, how much does it cost for you to go on the radio? Same thing Dr. Rodney asked. How much does it cost for you to go on the radio? And uh, <laughs> I said, well, it costs this much. She said, the Lord just spoke to me. The Lord just spoke to me to pay a whole month of your radio broadcasts. And there, on the second night, a third a third month, completely paid. Then, <coughs> I'm driving in my truck. I think it was like a day later or two days later. And I get another call. Hey, heard you're going on the radio. And I knew at that point, I was like, yeah, you can make the checkout to Miracle Word Ministries. Uh, and they said, yeah, the Lord spoke to us to pay a month of that radio. And literally, think about this. Now, I'm talking about the miracles in the move. I... I didn't have anything in the natural to move forward. I didn't have anything in the natural. I didn't have equipment. I didn't have uh, shows. I didn't have it. But before I even began, I want to get this in your spirit. Before I even began, four months fully paid for by the power of God. God knows how to take care of you. But the, notice, if I would not have said yes, here's what I want you to see. And I said, well, let me just get some equipment first. Let me just try to make some programs first. Let me try to get things in place first. See, if you're waiting for all the things to, to be in line first, you'll miss out on the miracle. You'll miss out on the miracle. I'll give you another practical example. Um, when my wife and I came down and the Lord gave us that instruction from my father and gave us that, um, he gave us that word from the Lord that we would have a studio which, we're, which I'm sitting in right now, uh, talking to you from, for those of you that are listening on the podcast, we're airing this from the studio. And the, the Lord gave us that word through my father, you're going to get this building's gonna come to you. He drew what it would look like and all that stuff, drew it. And so we didn't just say, well, thank God, God knows our need. And whenever he's ready to give us a building, he'll just give us a building. And really, we had not even, because we'd never done it before, we had no building fund or no building in the budget, none of that. <laughs> and so what, what did we do? We started to move. We got a realtor. We started looking at properties and, and all those things. We went after it. We said, we're going to find this building that we saw in the spirit. We're going we're gonna to find this building. We're going to take possession of it. We start going around, as you know the story. This was the last property we looked at and we pulled in the parking lot and it looked exactly like what my father drew on the paper. Well, if you'll remember this, some, some of you weren't around when, when this story happened, but if you'll remember, if you were, I did not tell you, Carolyn did not tell you anything about this building, that we were finding it, that we were getting it, that we were moving into it. We didn't tell you anything about that until we got into this building. And you'll remember, uh, we made the announcement from the first day we aired from this studio. And so 
uh, nobody, so this is why I'm telling you this, nobody knew about what was going to happen. And so we get into this building and we signed the paperwork, we took possession of the building, all the stuff, and we didn't even know if the building was in the budget or whatever, we'd never had a building before. Get this in your spirit. It was not, I don't even know how, I'd have to ask Jenna, how quick after this happened that we signed the paperwork and no one knew. We sent no letters out, nothing on social media, no partners knew, nobody knew. But God raised up a partner that said, we feel in our spirit to sow a certain amount of money to Miracle Word Ministries. And so they sat down and wrote a check, <coughs> not knowing anything. And they mailed it in. And I think Jenna got it from the, the post office box and opened it up and was, was shouting and sent us the picture. And we looked at it. And though nobody knew anything and it hadn't been announced, as we made the move to do what the Lord told us to do, guess what? That one check came in the mail and paid this whole year of the building, the first year we were in it, paid the whole first year in one check. Can I give you something else? The next year, another check came and paid the whole year of this building in one check. And what I'm telling you is that those things, you say, well, would the check have come if you didn't make the move? I don't know. I don't think it would have been the same because God is always watching for you to take steps of faith before the miracle happens. See, that's the only way you can take a step of faith. That's the, that's the only way. And one of the things, Nancy, that I've found, and my father has instructed me on this as well. And um, he said, anywhere that you find that something in life seems hard, things aren't working out, nothing seems to fall into place, nothing seems to come through, then it very well may be that that wasn't God. My father actually operates on that principle. If things are always hard, if it seems like nothing falls into place, if, not, if nothing's working out, if no provision's showing up, then he takes that to be, well, then that was, God was not in that. And you get out of it as quickly as you can. Get out of it as quickly as you can. Because understand, God pays for what he orders. God pays, and put that in the chat today. God pays for what he orders. God pays for what he orders. Glory to God. I'll give you another example. I knew back when, <laughs> this makes me laugh to think about this now. Back when live streaming first was getting going and you could live stream from professional cameras. Many churches that we went to didn't have any live streaming equipment, none, because it was so new. But I knew that those of you that this was like the early, this was like the inception of the Victory Tribe way back in the day when people first started uh, watching the revivals and getting involved. Um, I knew people were going to want to watch online and see the revivals as we were going from church to church. And so the Lord spoke to me and said, I want you to trust me, though no churches have it. I want you to trust me for the equipment 
to live stream your own services wherever you go. And so believe for your own broadcast cameras. Believe for your own, uh, and he went through all the stuff that we'd need. Of course, he knows. So (coughs) I, I started believing God. I said, you know what? That is it. We are going to broadcast our own uh, our own revivals. Now there wasn't even Facebook Live back then. There wasn't even Periscope, and there wasn't even um, there was no uh, YouTube Live. All you could do back then was you had to get like an account with like Livestream.com, and you had to you had to broadcast it from your website, like a page on your website. Some of y'all remember that. And so I said, we're going to trust God. And I I stepped out. I said, though no churches have it, we're going to believe God to have our own equipment. And we're going to travel around with our own equipment. I even think about how crazy this was back then because we, we barely even had the room. And, uh, and so sometimes Carolyn did it, AJ. Uh, sometimes somebody at the church helped us out. You know, it was, it was an interesting, interesting time. And so <laughs> it just was. Uh, and so we would bring this big, huge broadcast camera in a, in a hard case on wheels, big, massive tripod, all these wires and cords that we had to hook into the church's soundboard, into their Wi-Fi, and we had all this stuff. I mean, it was like a ton of stuff. So I said, yes, Lord, I will do that. I will believe God for it. I'll step out and, and do it. And we went to get it. Before we even could buy it, somebody showed up who said they believed. They said, you know, I believe that you should be airing your revivals. No lie. I'm standing at the altar of a revival. And uh, at the end of a service, closing out, and this man comes up and he said, the Lord spoke to me and my wife that you should be uh, airing, the, you should be airing this stuff. You're preaching your revivals. And uh, they asked how much it would cost for us to get our own equipment to do that. And I told him, he said, well, we're going to pay for it and wrote a check and blessed us. And the entire thing fully paid for. All I had to do was say yes to God, made up in my mind, I'm stepping out to do it. And began to step out. And before I could even, I mean, like, this is how, this is how God works. The miracles in the move. As you step out in obedience, hallelujah. As you step out in obedience, then God begins to reward you. God begins to reward you for stepping out and pursuing his promises. That's exactly what I'm talking about today. God rewards you for stepping out and pursuing his promises. The miracle is in the move. It's as you obey the instructions. And that's why I say, you know, when God tells you to do something, I'll, I'll give you another story. I was, uh, I was getting ready to go to Bible school and um, the Bible school I was going to, Rama Bible Training College, which is um, out in Tulsa, Oklahoma, Kenneth Hagin's Bible School. And um, my, I had somebody pay for my, my first year uh, tuition. And um, then I went out and I went to see a preacher. And the preacher, I just wanted to go hear him preach because he was such a great preacher. Pastor Mike Perkey. And uh, his son, his son's both pastor. And um, he's still alive preaching. Pastor Mike Perkey. And he preaches, his church was in Lenexa, Kansas, right outside of Kansas City, Lenexa Christian Center. And I drove from Tulsa one afternoon, all the way up to Lenexa, after church, uh, to hear his night service, because I wanted to hear him preach. Great preacher. And um, so I came into the church, and, uh, 
<laughs> it's so amazing. I didn't let anybody know I was coming. I just wanted to go sit in the crowd. And uh, God did another miracle. I'm sitting there and Pastor Perky saw me. He said, well, we got Teddy here tonight. <laughs> and he said, brother Teddy, I want you to come down. I came down to the front and uh, I stood there. He said, now we're going to bless this young man. He's in Bible school, gave the whole story. I had no idea this was going to happen. And it made me laugh. I had just bought a new suit from Backrack. There was a, a suit store in the, in the Woodland Hills Mall at the time. Beautiful new suit. I just got it. And he said, we're going to take this offering a little bit differently tonight. Don't write your checks to the church. Write them to Brother Teddy. That's what he said. And so he had a, you know, huge church, not a small church, a very, very big church. And so I'm standing there at the altar, not knowing what he's going to do. He said, when, when we start playing, he said, when you feel moved, you got an offering ready, come on down. He said, come down here and put it in his pockets. So his two sons, Pastor John, Pastor Matt, here they come. He said, open his pockets. <laughs> so John and Matt grabbed like even my suit pockets, my breast. It was a brand new suit. They ripped the pockets open, <laughs> ripped the pockets open at the altar. <clears throat> Apparently it's something that I need to let go because I remember it like 20 years later. Lord, I let that go. That Matt and John ripped the pockets on my new suit. I, I, I harbor no unforgiveness towards Matt and John. Brother John, if you're watching, I, I love you. Um, and so they ripped it open, <laughs> ripped my pockets open and here people come. And I mean, coming from everywhere, there were probably, you know, 1500 or whatever in the, in the sanctuary. And here they come, boom, 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 boom. I mean, just sewing, 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 sewing. And my pockets were overflowing. I had no idea what was going to happen. All I did was want to go up and be in the anointing as pastor was preaching. And all of a sudden, all this increase comes to me from just being obedient to do what the Lord told me to do. And there I go home. And you got to imagine, I'm, I'm like 18 years old. I've never seen this much money in my life. But it was enough money to pay my entire second year of Bible school. I can remember to this day, I sat down in my apartment and like unloaded those, those uh, unloaded all the offerings. And I had them like stacked on the apartment floor, you know, in my living room. And I'm like counting the, I'm like counting the offering. This was before it was even possible for me to have multiple counters so that the IRS wouldn't get on my case. Uh, it was a personal offering. And so I put them on, I lined them up on the floor and I'm like, my Lord. And I'm counting it. And I realize at, at the end of counting that it was enough money that it would pay my whole second year of Bible school. And the funniest thing was, you know, now as like an 18 year old, I have to deposit this money in the bank. And, you know, me just thinking like, well, you know, like I wasn't like professional about it. I just, I think all I did was, uh, <laughs> I, 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 uh, I started rolling the offering up into like $100 increments and rubber banding them. And they were just like rolls. And I just started putting them in a leather briefcase. Looking back, it probably looked a little shady because I, I finished that next day of Bible school. It was a Monday. I had that leather briefcase. And I went into my local bank <laughs> and I had a suit on, dark sunglasses. Here comes an 18-year-old kid with a leather briefcase. And I walk up to the teller and she's like, how may I help you? you know, and I flipped that leather briefcase over and dumped it out on the desk. 
It's just all of this, these rolls of cash and $100 rolls and checks rolled out. And her eyes got like super wide looking at the desk. And then she slowly looked up at me, like with the dark sunglasses, big guys. She, she said like so timidly, what do you do? <laughs> I don't know what she must have thought. Like I was like a, a drug dealer or something. She's like, what do you do? But I'm sitting there thinking to myself, I just did what I felt led to do by the spirit and the blessing came. <laughs> what do you do? <laughs> and the blessing came. And every time I've obeyed the Lord, every time I've obeyed the Lord, every time I've made a move by faith, the Lord always provides the miracle as I step out of faith. I'll give you a healing one before I pray for you. You've heard me tell it before. I was in the worst shape of my life that I've ever felt. I woke up one morning and I can remember that it was an Easter morning, Easter Sunday. I'd never felt like this in all of my life. Every part of my body hurt. I mean, every part. I couldn't even open my eyes because the pain was so bad. Just any light at all, even in a dark room with a little bit of light coming in through the shades. So much pain in my head. Every part of my body, all of my joints ached so bad, so much pain. I was nauseous. I was dizzy. I couldn't hardly see. It was just like when I would open my eyes, it was like white, just like white dots everywhere. That's all I could see. It, I felt like just like rolling over, not getting up for another two weeks. And uh, I had made up my mind that there's no reason ever that I'm going to miss church. There, there'd never be a reason. And it's what I had taught my team, you know, and I was the associate for my uncle. I was the praise and worship leader. And I thought to myself, there's no way that after having exhorted my team, that no matter how we feel, no matter what, we're coming to the house of God, that I'm going to be making a call this morning and saying, hey, uh, uh, I'm not going to have to, you're going to have to do service without me. I'm not doing it. And so even though I felt all that nonsense, I pulled myself out of bed, showered, prepared my suit, shirt, tie, got ready, went to church. I was still feeling it. It was still on me. I'm in the middle of a move. I'm, I'm moving forward. I get to church. I come in. The band's already playing. It's loud. My head is pounding. I'm like squinting just to make it down to the altar. Get up on the platform. And I just let the team know. I said, I'm telling you, I'm under an attack. I said, but no matter what happens, no matter what happens, you just keep on praising today. Keep on praising today. I said, even if I run off the platform and run out the side door to, towards the restroom, you just keep on praising, I will be back. It was so bad that I literally put a bucket next to the keyboard in case I had to throw up or something. I was like, I'm gonna just throw up and keep on praising. I said, that's how bad it was. And so <clears throat> I told him, just keep on going. And we practiced. And it came to service time. And man, I launched in. Brad, who's been drumming with me now for almost 20 years. It'll be 20 years next year. And Brad clicked off the song and we started right in with praise and worship with the whole team. And I started playing and shouting and singing. And I'm looking out. <clears throat> I still can't hardly see. 
I always joke people say, I looked up and opened my eyes at the crowd and I still saw all white dots. And I said, I knew I wasn't healed yet because our church was about 65% African-American. And so I looked out still, but I'm in the midst of it. I'm shouting, I'm singing, I'm praising. And get this, one by one, every single symptom that was attacking my body started to leave one by one as I'm in the middle of praising God, as I'm in the middle of fulfilling my purpose, my call, as I'm in the middle of doing what it is I'm supposed to be doing, every single thing left, the headache left, the, the vision problem left, all the pain in my body left, the nausea left, all stomach issues, everything in my body, everything lifted off me before the first song was even over in that service. And full healing came into my body as I'm in the middle of a move. As I'm in the middle of a move. And I'm just telling you that as you do what you're called to do, supposed to do, the miracles take place as you're moving by faith. As you're moving by faith, you watch God do it. I remember one time I was preaching up in Maine and I got food poisoning. I went to a restaurant the night before got food poisoning, and I was up all night. I mean, I was hurting. I was bad. Like, I couldn't even fall asleep because I kept waking up to throw up. I'd, I, it was so bad I ran out into the night snow. I was, I, was, I was staying up in Aroostook County, and it was like two feet of snow on the ground, and I'm out there trudging around in the snow, just like throwing up all over the snow. I could not get past it. Woke up the next morning after what little sleep I did get and still felt the po poisoning. And I couldn't get past it. And I was like, I'm not calling this pastor and, and telling him I can't come preach today because I have food poisoning. So I did the same thing. Got my clothes on, shoes on. And I went on down to their church. And I got inside there. And their whole praise and worship service, I felt like crap on the front row. Felt like terrible. And their praise and worship is going. And I'm trying to worship. And I got up. I can't do it. I got up on the platform. They gave me the mic. And they gave me the mic and I went to the keyboard before I preached. And this song jumped up in my spirit. And I started, I started, sat down. I don't even know if I knew, if I'd ever played that song in a, in a live service before. And I started, I started praising God with it. And I, start, I sat down feeling like crap. There is a song in my heart today, something I've never had. Jesus has taken my sins away. Oh, say, but I'm glad. And I started going off. Oh, say, but I'm glad, I'm glad. Oh, say, but I'm glad. Jesus is come and my cup's overrun. Oh, say, but I'm glad. And I started singing it. And I'm telling you, the Holy Ghost hit me on the keyboard in the midst of singing that. Oh, say, but I'm glad. And all of that poisoning went right out of my body in the midst of that service. Left. I stood up to preach feeling amazing that in the middle of the move, the power of God came on me. And healing came into my body, drove that stuff out, and I preached with strength because the miracle is in the move. The miracle is in the move. And that's what you have to understand is that it's not about us sitting around waiting for God to do something, sitting around saying, well, when he knows my need, he'll just drop it on my head. He no, he's waiting for his children to obey his word, to obey his instructions, to do what they're called to do. And as you move forward, Get ready 
for the miracle to take place. Maybe there's people that are watching. I saw one person write, uh, this gave me confirmation. I need to keep moving forward to go to Bible school. There might be others. The Lord is, ha, has already spoken to you to start a business and you've not yet started it. The Lord's already spoken to you to launch into ministry and you've not taken steps to launch into ministry. You're waiting until everything's provided. You're waiting until everything's done and God will provide it as you move. Maybe you've been waiting. Maybe you're, there's certain things. Maybe the Lord told you this is your year. You've never owned a home with your family, but this is your year to own and stop renting. You step out and move forward and take active steps. Watch what God will do. You need a miracle. You need a healing. When was the last time that somebody that needed a miracle actually made their mind up to travel and be a part of a healing revival somewhere where it takes, where it takes, where it's taking place? We've had it happen in our revivals. My father's happened to happen in his revivals. People make up their mind. I'm getting a healing and I'm going to get on a plane and I'm going to fly to where the move of God is and I'm going to receive what God has for me. The miracle's in the move. It's in the move. And so I want to encourage you today. God has miracles for you in the month of March. It's miracles in March in Jesus' name. But we've got to make moves of faith. Faith without works is dead. Faith without works is dead. Amen. And so I want to pray. And I know there are people that, that need prayer. People are believing for miracles. People are believing for breakthroughs. I'm going to stand with you. I'm going to stand with you. Today we're going to pray and believe God that things are quickly going to turn around. Quickly turn around by the power of God's spirit. Father, we come to you today in the mighty name of Jesus. I pray for every member of the Victory Tribe. I pray for every person that's dealing with something and needs a move from your spirit. I pray, Lord, that if they don't understand what the instruction is, that they will get an instruction from the Holy Ghost and move quickly on it by the power of your spirit. And Lord, we thank you for that. We thank you that this is a month to receive the supernatural intervention of God in our lives, in our families, in our bodies, in our minds. Lord, no hindrance. Nothing's going to hold us back. In the mighty name of Jesus, we thank you that this is our year of divine possession. We're going to have what we never had. We're going where we've never gone. We're going to do what we've never done in the mighty name of Jesus. We declare this is our time. We're going to take the promises that you have for us and the devil cannot steal, cannot steal what you've set aside for our families in Jesus mighty name. Now, Lord, for those that are suffering, they need healing in their body. They need a touch. I pray, Lord, that you would manifest your glory in their body today. I pray in Jesus' name that that sickness, that disease that's held them in bondage would loose its grip and let them go today in the mighty name of Jesus. We thank you for that. Those battling in their minds, anxiety, depression, touch them, Lord. Let joy overtake their soul. Peace that passes all understanding. Those believing for household salvation, let this be the year, Lord. Let it be the month that their families are saved in Jesus' name. We thank you. We thank you. We give you praise. Now, Lord, speak a word to every one of us. We're believing for financial increase. Every one of us. What would you have us sow this month that would be a step of faith, an action of faith that would bring the harvest we're believing for? Let us hear that today, Lord, and step out by faith and obey it. In Jesus' name, 
Amen. Those of you that are watching, the Lord will speak to you. Whatever it is that he's having you do, make that move in faith. Make that move. I got out and danced in the parking lot of the church the other day, right before practice. Because God, and we've been sowing like crazy, like crazy. And a seed came in to the ministry that was the kind of thing that we're believing for. And I let God know, I'm thankful. I got right out of my car and just danced all over the parking lot. People are driving by, I wonder what in the world is he doing all by himself? I'm giving God praise, why? Because God's doing what he said he would do. The harvests are coming in from the seeds we've been sowing. And uh, I'm just telling you, it's gonna be that kind of a year. It's gonna be that kind of a year. And so there on the screen you can see, if you need to go to miracleword.com, all of the ways to sow are there on the site. And uh, thank you for standing with us and partnering with us. And in the month of March, we're gonna send you this book by Brother Kenneth Hagin, entitled, I Believe in Visions. I Believe in Visions, powerful book. And I love the stories. I always love Brother Hagin's stories as well. And then those of you that are standing at $250 or more this month, we're including with that, The Miracle of the Scarlet Thread. I love this book. Shows you how the gospel message, the redemption message, goes all the way through from Genesis to Revelation. It'll open your eyes. And then my favorite, the, the Net Study Bible, for those standing at $1,000 or more, believing with us for the miracles to touch our generation, this is our gift to you. All three things, go to miracleword.com forward slash offer. Let us know where to send it. And take a moment and do what the Lord's told you to do. Again, let me quickly say, um, I am so very, very excited about this upcoming course that we have that's about to be available for Miracle Word University. And it's, uh, we're calling it uh, Bible Study Made Simple. Bible Study Made Simple. And we're going to take you through all of the uh, methods that we use to study the Bible properly. That's what Paul told Timothy, that we've got to study to show ourselves approved. Somebody that can rightly divide the Word of God. And uh, it's getting ready to open up the registration on the 28th. And um, it's only going to be open for a short period of time. But we're going to take you through these Bible study methods and make them simple for those of you. This is not, we don't want people to say, well, I, I never went to Bible school, so I probably won't understand this stuff. Or I've never been to seminary. It's not, it's not about that. I'm, we're breaking these things down. And the title says it all, making them simple. Every Christian should be able to understand and properly interpret the Bible. And you'll see how uh, when you put these principles into action, it is. It's not hard. It's not something you can't do. You'll be able to do it. It'll help you. And then we're going to take you through all those uh, principles. And then on top of that, after we go through all the teachings and the principles of how we study the Bible, I'm going to lead you through Bible studies personally, different types of Bible studies. And we're going to have a private Facebook group where you'll be able to join into the live question and answer videos and we'll interact together. Um, and I'll give you free tools and I'll show you how I use the tools that I have. It's going to be really, really helpful. Uh, and so I'm looking forward to it. Uh, Lena, I'm sure we'll do something uh, for the partners uh, that are, that are, but not, nothing set yet, but I'm sure there's something that we'll do. I know this, I know that the link is going to be sent out first to the people that are on the text list. So if you're part of the text family, that sign up registration link is going to first come 
to those of you that are on the text list. And if you're not yet, but would like to be, you can go to miracleword.com forward slash text and sign up to receive text message for, they are from me, by the way, it's not some bot. I always, every once in a while now, get somebody say, uh, like they're talking to a bot and I'll write them right back. I'm like, no, it's actually me. <laughs> You're talking to me. Um, but the first people that will get that registration link are the people that are on the text family. Um, someone said, will you still do these Bible studies? Absolutely. I will. We're still going to be live Monday through Friday at 1030. This is a new course that we're offering within Miracle Word University. And I'm very, it's, this is the one I'm most excited about of anyone we've ever done. And probably because this subject is so near to my heart, I love uh, teaching on scripture, the power of the word, how we got the word, how to interpret the word. And man, it's gonna change your Bible study time. It's gonna change your devotional life and uh, help you immensely. You'll, you'll see things you've never seen. It'll help you unlock stuff uh, in scripture and, and receive revelation that maybe you've never seen before. So I'm very excited about it. I want you guys to be a part of it when we launch registration on March the 28th. It will only be open for a short period of time and it'll be totally closed until the late fall. And so all the things we're gonna be going through until late fall, they'll not be available if you missed the registration. So that's why I'm encouraging you for the short period of time registration's open, you're gonna to wanna to get involved with it. And we've made it affordable and we've made it easy. It's gonna be awesome. I love you guys. Thank you again for hanging with me today. I know you're gonna have a powerful day. I'll see you again in the morning, 10.30 a.m. Have a great one. I'll talk to you soon. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.